0: So this morning, I'm happy to speak to you about generosity. Uh, we have a little clip. Did that work? Generous Church. We've seen that. We've experienced that. So I'm not here to call, call you out. I'm not here to, to admonish you for your lack of giving. I'm just here to just kind of discuss what I feel like the Lord is putting on my heart about generosity. Um, Paul said that we should excel at the grace of giving. And so I just want us to excel, to become better at generosity because we all can be better. You want to show it? This may, or may not work. Here's five bucks. Oh, I, I'm not homeless, I, I'm a teacher. Pooh. ten bucks. <laughs> For all the teachers in the room. <laughs> it's an example of generosity. Like not ice cream, but like Briar's ice cream. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? I would buy like the store-brand type of ice cream, Neapolitan, because you know that was that was in my budget. But this one day I went to the store and Briar's ice cream was on sale. And so (laughs) I bought Briar's ice cream and I was really excited. This was a splurge. It was, you know, it's like I was gonna do something really nice for my family. We're gonna have Briar's ice cream. And I put it in the freezer, and uh, my kids came home, and they were all outside playing, you know, because we were the Kool Aid house, and I was upstairs doing something. And I come downstairs, and my kids and all their little friends are eating my Briar's vanilla bean yeah. ice cream. And my heart was like broken. I was like, I'm saving that ice cream for, you know, something special. And they were all eating it. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I wasn't angry with my kids. I was a little frustrated. But I wasn't angry with my kids. You know why? Because I was, I was really proud of how generous my children are. Yeah. And even to this day, my two young ones, my, my oldest one, you guys need to pray for him. But my <laughs> two <laughs> younger children are still very generous people. And it makes me happy that they're generous. But you know what else? It makes your father in heaven happy when we're generous. God has called us to be the Kool-Aid house. <laughs> Each of us have been called to be the Kool-Aid house. Do you need some a scripture for that? Let's go to that first because there's a scripture. I'm not making this up. Genesis 12. 1 and 2. This is God speaking to Abraham, right? So Abraham is, is the father of our faith, right? You guys sang that song when you were little. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just, just praise the Lord. <laughs> so Abraham is the father of our faith, right? So the covenant that God made with Abraham, that covenant, is, even though it's the Old Testament, it is still uh, the foundation of who we are today. Yeah. And this is the covenant that God made with Abraham. So I have it up here, Genesis 1 and 2. The Lord to, said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and the people will know you are a man of God by the size of your house, your fancy cars, and designer clothing. Does, it, does yours not say that? Your, 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 your Bible doesn't say that? <laughs> I think that was the prosperity gospel translation. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. The Lord said to, said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, but you shall live in p- poverty, barely eke out a living. People will know you are, are a man of God by your lack. Does the scripture say that? No. It's still not right? Okay, let's try it one more time. Maybe we'll get it right this time. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. blessing. We are called to be the Kool-Aid house. We are blessed to be a blessing. You want to hear my translation? This is the MGB translation. (laughs) I'm going to be generous to you, and you are going to be generous with others. You're going to be conduits of my goodness. You're going to represent my generosity to the world. You're going to be the Kool-Aid Briar's ice cream house (laughs) where people come and feel safe, loved, and filled, and feel my presence. That's who we are called to be. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, God encourages us to be generous to the poor, to the widows, to the fatherless, the aliens, and apparently teachers, <laughs> and members of our tribe. We are called to be generous. Here are a few examples in the Old Testament. Leviticus 23, 22 says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. And I was reading this, and it felt to me like what the Lord was saying is this. I want you to budget. Budget your money, budget your time, so that you can be generous. So that generosity is not an event that you do when someone's in need. It's not an event that you do on Sunday when you give your offerings. Generosity is a lifestyle. This summer, I was you know, I teach, so my summers is where I get all my living in, in like two and a half months, right? So this summer I had, um, at the beginning of July, we were going to Ohio to see my sister and visit family. At the end of July, I, we were doing the vacation Bible school that we do in the park every year. We were doing that from Monday through Thursday. Um, that Friday I was leaving to go to Charlotte to do a women's conference, and then I was coming back, and Sunday, I was going to go visit my daughter, so bang, 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 that's the way my life was, and in the middle of all that, something, another conference came up, and I wanted to go to that conference, it was a great conference, it was a women's conference with women I love, and I wanted to go so badly, but I just didn't have a piece about it, and I was praying to God about it, and this is what I felt like the Lord was saying, which is, it's consistent with what God was saying this morning, he said, Melissa, Don't live your life in the margins. That's what he was telling his people. Don't live your life in the margins. Budget your life, budget your time, so that you can be generous. Generosity is a lifestyle. It is not when when something happens if you're if someone needs you to pray with them after church, or if you're you're driving, um, if you're at the store and you see someone who is who is hurting, you're not trying to get to the next thing so you don't even notice that they're hurting. You don't notice that they're in pain because you're focused on the next thing. How many of us live our life like that? We're just going from one thing to the next and we can't stop to see people are hurting around us. We're living our lives in the margins. And God is saying live your life in such a way that generosity with your money, generosity with your time is a lifestyle. Yeah. Don't live your life in the margins this week. Um Here's another one for my teacher's friends out there. (laughs) We had to give our EOCs, right? And so you have a certain amount of time to get kids ready, you know, log in every child, get them ready. And no teacher wants to be that teacher that is stopping the whole school from getting on the school bus, right? (laughs) Nobody wants to be that teacher. So we're all just like, we're focused. We're trying to get it done. And this day, one of my students So I'm logging them in. I'm trying to, you know, make them feel comfortable. I'm logging them in, and I got to this one student. She is one of my students who's very self-assured, you know. Um, She carries herself well. She's very mature. She's a leader. And I'm signing her in, and I can look at her face and say, something's not right. And I said to her, I made the mistake of saying, what's wrong? (laughs) Tears. (laughs) Tears. She was falling apart. And I, you know, I've got to get everybody logged in. And she's falling apart. Sometimes she's just got to stop. I had to stop. Y'all pray for me because I'm going to get fired. I had to stop. <laughs> I had to stop. And I, I walked to her side. And I took her in my arms. And I prayed for her. I whispered in her ear. And I prayed for her. Because I had to stop at that moment. And do what God has called me to do. Sometimes you cannot live your life, you cannot live your life in the margins. Stop. See the people hurting around you. Love on them. This is what else the Bible says. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Who does not want to lend to God? And he will repay him for their deeds. I mean, he doesn't depend upon the FDIC. It doesn't matter how the economy is going. God will pay you back. How many of you fast? Did you know the purpose of your fast? It says in Isaiah 58 7 the purpose of your fast is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. That's the purpose of our fasting. New Testament for this. First John 3, 17 and 8 says, if, But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, this is, this is a strong in, indictment. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We have to love by our <laughs> deeds. Hebrews 13, 15, it says 13, 15, and 15. It might be 14 and 15. There it says 16. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, and to share, for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. God is pleased with our givens Matthew 25 we all know this one then the righteous will he, you know Jesus was saying I was hungry and you clothed me I was in prison and, and you came to visit me and they were like when do we do that Lord and he said to them then the righteous will ask to him saying Lord when did we see the hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink when did we see your stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When we're generous to the poor, when we're generous to those who are hurting, we're not just, we're not just meeting their needs. We are ministering to the father himself, to Jesus himself. And this is what God has called us to do. And it's not just generosity with our money, but our time, our resources, our blessings, our advantage. Generosity was a core value in the Jewish community. When Paul became saved and Paul was starting his own set of churches to the Gentiles, he went to Peter and the elders, and this is what they said to him. James, Cephas, and John, three those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do all along. Generosity, was a cu- it was their culture. This was not something weird they were asking. Paul's like, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Of course I will be generous to the poor. Because that is part of my culture. We need to make generosity. And again, when I say we, I'm talking about me because it's not my first language. I need to learn to make generosity my culture. That it is the first thing I think of and not the last thing I think of. I'm still, you know, I'm better than I was when my kids were little, but I'm still working on it. Being generous to the poor is the heart of the father. We see that in, okay, so here we go. I told Luke I was going to speak on this. I don't think he believed me. In the story of Sodom and
1: Gomorrah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Only me. It's only me <laughs> that would talk about Sodom and Gomorrah when we're talking about generosity. Don't blame me. Blame the Lord because I was, pr- I swear, I was in the shower, taking a shower, and Lord, the Lord was downloading this sermon. And he said, talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I was like, with generosity, Lord? He said, yes. I, I got something for you. Here we go. <laughs> Why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? Because what? Ooh, I heard one thing. What? A lack of generosity. Most people don't know that. I grew up hearing Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for a different reason. The Bible says this in Jude 1-7, and don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which was filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. That is what I grew up hearing. That's the only thing I ever heard was this is why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Ezekiel 16:49 says this: Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside their door. So when the Lord gave me this, I was like, "Okay, Lord, which one is it?" You know, because this seems like two different things. And He, you know, what He said to me? I felt like He said to me, "It was both," because both of these. Hear me. Both of these are the are the symptoms of the same ailment. They're both the symptoms of the same thing. And you want to know what they're symptoms of? I learned a new word le- yesterday. I learned a new word. Here's my new word. Amphaloskepsis. Amphaloskepsis. Does anybody have, you might know what it means, Dr. Amy, but does anyone else, <laughs> does anyone else know what it means? You looked at, <laughs> you cheated. <laughs> Anyone else know what that means? Okay. <laughs> Here's your part. And see, I'm using a big word like Josh, so I'm trying to be like Josh. I'm trying to be like Joshua here. i go to the next screen. It is the contemplation of one's what? Naval. Oh. It is the contemplation of one's navel. It's a legitimate word. (laughs) It's navel-gazing. That was what their problem was, navel-gazing. They had become so focused on themselves, right? So focused on my needs. Navel-gazing, if you look it up in the dictionary, it is self-indulgence. It is looking at myself so much that I want what I want. And nobody can tell me otherwise because I need to get my needs met In my way. And I am not thinking about anybody else. And that was their sin. Both a lack of generosity and sexual immorality. Both came from the same navel-gazing spirit. (laughs) Last week, Pastor Josh spoke on the importance of prayer. And he said he wouldn't go to a church where every prayer was not... where. He wouldn't go to a church where prayer was not the focus. Is that what you said? Okay, I want to make sure I'm <laughs> quoting you right. He said he wouldn't go to a church where prayer was not the focus. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. Prayer is, is as Christians, that's who we are. We're prayers, right? But I also would not go, a church, go to a church where generosity was not a priority. I wouldn't go to a church where a church only thought about itself. And I don't mean to embarrass anyone here. No one here, I don't think anyone here was with me at this church at the time. But about, well, when Katrina hit. And you guys know that I am from Louisiana. So when Katrina hit, that was really hard for me. It was a hard time seeing the pictures and and knowing you know this is where I come from was really hard. And I remember going to church that Sunday. I was going to a small church, and the pastor stood up and talked about a building fund and my heart was aching. My heart ached. How could we look at building a church when people had lost everything? How could we navel graze in such a way that we couldn't see that there was a bigger picture out there? I had to believe because God has called us to be generous. I would not go to a church that didn't care for the poor and the needy in this communi- community, For that church practices the same sin as Sodom and Gomorrah. I know that's a hard thing to, to digest, but according to the word of God, that's truth. We've gotta be a church. You are a church. We have to continue to be a church that looks at the poor and the needy and, and take care of it in however we can. Boys and girls, God has called us to be generous. I agree with Apostle Paul this morning. Paul said that we should excel in the grace of giving. Okay, I think we're almost out of here. I don't know what time I started. I wanted this to be a mini skirt sermon. You know what a mini skirt sermon is? (laughs) 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 Long enough to cover everything, but short enough to keep your attention. (laughs) So we're trying, I'm almost done. I am almost done. Okay, all right. Because I know you all, you guys aren't even listening to me. You're waiting for the cupcakes. I know that. All right. The Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So I wanted to talk to you about 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So, how do we, how should we excel in the grace of giving? I'm going to end with this. How do we excel in the grace of giving? How do we do that? If you read 2 Corinthians 9, I think it is a great example of how we excel at giving. The background to 2 Corinthians 9 is this. The Jewish Christians in Jerusalem had fallen into poverty due to a famine. Paul was raising money for them from the churches he had begun. They were all going to send relief as a symbol of their unity in Christ. But the Corinth Church had been in conflict with Paul, and they had not saved up for the gift even though they were one of the first to commit. So Paul is writing them this letter and reminding them of the gift that they were supposed to give. And this is what Paul says. And in Paul's heart, and, and in Paul's heart, their not giving was an indication that the church had not truly been transformed by the gospel. Because the heart of the gospel is generosity. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. He He was generous. He didn't do it just in words. He didn't tell you what it was. He gave his best. He gave his son. That is the heart of the gospel. And if that should transform us to be generous, when we recognize what was given to us, And Paul wrote this. So we're just going to read all of, all of this uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 15. We're going to read these 15 verses. If you know me. I'm always saying get your Bible out. Make sure I'm not mis- I'm saying something wrong. Paul writes, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it in Macedon- to the Macedonians, Macedonians, telling them that since last year in Achaia, Acha, ready, you and Achiel were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but you, that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if in any Macedonians, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish this, the arrangement for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generally, generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work as it is written they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor their righteousness endures forever now he who supplies seed to the and bread for food Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So what can we learn from this? The first thing we should learn is why we should give. Why should we give? First one, love. Because we love people. Because we are called to love people. The church in Jerusalem was hurting. And as my daughter um, is wont to hashtag love does. James said faith without works is dead. And think about this. Think about this. We were asking the Gentiles to give to the Jews. Do you know the animosity that had been there previously? Only love can transform. Um, can be that transformative. I think it was Dr. King that says only love can make a um, someone you hate your brother. Only love can do that. So they were um, giving to meet the practical needs of the Jews in Jerusalem, and that had to be an act. It had to be a statement of love. We give because we love. The um, second reason, verse twelve. We give to give glory to God. Their, we their gift resulted in others giving thanks to God. Our gifts, I love to say this, one of my favorite scriptures is this, it is God's goodness that leads people to repentance. Yes. And so when we give and we give out of love and we tell people, this is from your heavenly father. It's coming through us, we're conduits, but this is from your Heavenly Father. We do it so they that the goodness of God will lead them to a place of repentance. We give out of obedience. I come from a grace background, so that whole thing about obedience, you know, can get a little <laughs> hinky there. But I think if nothing else, if you can't give out of love, if you can't give because you want to give glory to God, just give because you want to be obedient. God has called us to be obedient. He has blessed us why? So that we can be a blessing. He has blessed us so we ha- blessed us so we have open hands and we bless people freely. We want to walk in that obedience. How do we give? Verse 7. We don't give out of pressure or guilt, manipulation or fear. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that in the body of Christ. You know, Pastor Josh, I could hear it. You may not have said it, but I could hear kind of that, like, distaste when you talked about the ch- the church that said that we're going to be a cancer-free zone. I, you didn't say it, <laughs> but I could kind of. Hear that undertone? I'm just gonna say it. I hate it when <laughs> when people get on, on on television and tell you to give, and if you give $1,000, I'll give you favor. That makes me so angry because you can't buy favor. We all have the favor of God. They're just charlatans stealing your money. And if you, and I, I say this, if you really wanna give, if you really think you can buy favor for $1,000, emboldened ministry always <laughs> have a high price sale. We're Oh, it's always half price. I'll give you the same favor for half the money because you always have it. Do not be bought. Do not give out of guilt. My uh, uh, friend of mine went to a church, and they actually gave them a piece of paper that told them how much they were supposed to give. I was like, run. (laughs) Run fast. Run quickly. That is a charlatan because only the Lord God can put on your heart how much to give. And you should never give out of guilt. You should never get out, give out of manipulation. My husband joked when I told him I was speaking on generosity. He was like, "Okay, so then at the end you're going to take an offering?" No, because I don't want to manipulate you into giving. That is not my goal. That is not Pastor Josh and Pastor Leah's goal. Is to manipulate you. We want you to give freely and cheerily, without any guilt, without any manipulation. Don't be manipulated to give. If you're feeling those emotions about giving, if you're in a service and you want it, you just kind of feel that guilt, my advice to you would be go home and pray about it. Mm-hmm. And let the Lord lead you. And let the Lord lead you to, to a place where you're given out of generosity, given out of cheerfulness, and not given because you feel manipulated. Give generously. Verse 6. We always want to try to give God our best. And you sow. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. That's kind of what it just said. The last one is give at... Atru- al- Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Give that way. <laughs> Check your motives. Check your motives. We don't give to get. And that, that's such a hard thing in this kingdom because we can't outgive God, right. right? And when we give, God gives back to us, but that is not our primary reason for giving. Our reason is to is to bless people our reason is to be obedient to God our reason is to be generous and we have to check our motives even as a church I, I know I talk about this a lot, but I have been in church all my life and I've seen the good and I've seen the bad so here's the bad we were t- I was talking about outreaches because you know we go out and do outreaches here and there and I was telling this pastor that I was inviting people back to um, the vineyard church because it's closer We're closer. And he was offended, right? Our motive should never be to give to get people in these seats. Our goal to give, our goal to minister is to get souls in heaven. And I don't care where they get discipled. I just want souls in heaven. We were out ministering one time and one of my friends who goes to a church in in Fuquay, she kind of sheepishly said afterwards, said, Well, I, you know, I invited, you know, she had ministered to this person, she had talked to this person. She said, Well, I, I invited him to our church. And I was like, You catch him, you clean him. <laughs> I don't care where they go. <laughs> because our goal is to get people in heaven. That's the ultimate goal. There is no one rejoicing when someone joins this church. Angels are rejoicing when people give their hearts to the Lord. And that should be our goal. To whom do we give? In Luke 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. And we are continuing the mission of Jesus. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, comfort the brokenhearted, proclaim release to the captives, and freedom to prisoners, encourage those who mourn. That's our audience. And you know what? That's everybody. There's no one in this room that doesn't fall somewhere in this category. And these are the people that we are called to minister to, to give what we have. Again, giving is not just money. It is our resources. It's praying for people. It's laying hands on them. It is bringing healing to them. And we are called to be generous with all of that. Finally, how do we cultivate a generous heart. First thing is we just need to get stirred up. If you are not, if generosity is not your first language, it's okay, right? If this is, if this is hard for you, it's okay. My, my encouragement to you is to get around generous people. My husband is my inspiration. My husband is so generous. He's much more generous than I am. We were even at dinner Friday night. We were at dinner with some friends. And before we had gone to dinner, I had stopped by the store and I bought this um, gourmet popcorn caramel popcorn I was very excited about eating my caramel (laughs) popcorn and I was going to share it with my friend but after dinner we were so full we were not hungry and I was like well you know I was joking do you have anything to put it on and my husband just goes just give it to him he took my popcorn and put it across the table I'm like what is going (laughs) on here (laughs) because his his first language is generosity it really is we we make a good couple (laughs) (laughs) be around generous people generous people will inspire you to give what does the bible say iron sharpens iron so if it's not your first language hang, hang out with people who are givers second ask for seed to sow I know that sounds weird okay and you may not agree with me on that but I can tell you I have asked for seed to sow and God has given me seed to sow Even the story I was telling you about my student, the night before, I had asked God to give me words of encouragement for people. I just didn't realize it was going to be at that moment. Ask for seed to sow. If if you're struggling financially and you feel like I can't give right now, ask God to give you seed to sow. But here's the thing, when he gives you that seed to sow, sow that seed. You have to know the difference between seed to sow and when you've reaped a blessing. You've got to know the difference between the two. But ask God. If you feel like you can't give, just ask God. Give me seed to sow. The Bible says he gives what? Seed to the sower. The Bible says that. So we can ask for seed to sow. Third, give cheerfully. Ask God to change your hearts. This is all about God doing things in your heart. Ask God to change your heart. As, as Beth Moore, I think it's Beth Moore who says, ask God to change your want to. Or if you're in the deep south, your your want to (laughs) ask God to change your want to ask God to make you cheerful about giving and the fourth one I struggled with this I struggle to include this because it sounds contradictory to what I just said but I want you to give with expectancy there's so many bible verses that talks about uh, the bible verse um give and it shall be given to you how Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's a promise from God. So we give expecting God to give back to us, even though that's not the reason for giving. And we got to really work on that. It's like this fine line we have to walk in our heart. I'm expecting good things from God because he promised it, but I'm not given to receive, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But that is the, the dynamic we walk with in the kingdom of God. I can tell you, I really believe right now, we are, we are reaping things that we sowed 20 years ago. Yeah. I have a story. If we had time, I'd tell you the story. It would blow your mind, seriously blow your mind. I think I've shared it with Leah. Is this the, uh, the condo story? Yes. I should tell it? Should tell it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> okay. So my husband and I, we we still on our first house. And um, we were renting this house to a friend. Never, ever do that, okay? <laughs> Never do that. Don't ever do that. And, you know, sometimes he just couldn't pay rent. He had three children, and sometimes he couldn't pay rent, and we were just, like, just, you know, we would forgive it. We just wouldn't think about it. And this went on. He lived in that house for 13 years. But at the end of when he moved out, he ticked me off (laughs) because he didn't tell us he was moving out right he didn't tell us he was moving out and then he moved out without paying the last month's rent and we didn't know about it moved out late didn't tell us then when we went in there was a lot of damage some of it was just after 13 years there's damage but some of it was like you know leaving stuff that we had to have someone we had to pay for someone to clean up and this went on so when he left I was not happy Okay, I was not being generous. And I prayed, you know, we walked through it, and it was okay. We fixed up the house. We got a great renter. Everything's going well. Two years later, I get a text from my tenant, my former tenant. And he said, um, you know, God has put on my heart. You know, he didn't say that. He said, I want to repay you for what happened, but I don't know how. And I was like, well, I know how. <laughs> we got a list. I can make a list. And I got his text. I read it. And then I went into the workroom, and I was microwaving my lunch, and I swear I heard the Lord say, forgive it. And I was like, Lord, the microwave is interfering with <laughs> me hearing from you because I know you did not say, forgive it. So... um I went home, and I, I, I said, oh, you know, so-and-so called me, and he wants to make up, you know, the rent. And I didn't say anything to my husband, and I was like, yeah, but I kind of feel like um, we should just forgive it. And my husband, who is very generous, was like, yeah, let's just forgive it. But he said, if the Lord is putting on his heart to give, we should let him be obedient. We should give him the opportunity to be obedient. So I texted the guy the next day, and I was like, listen, James and I have forgiven it, but if the Lord is putting something on your heart, um, let us know what it is. Now, in doing this, I had a price in my head that I wanted to, him to pay. <laughs> I did, I had a price, like, you know, if you're going to ask me, I'm going to tell you this is how much I, I want. And, but I didn't tell him anything. I was like, you do whatever the Lord leads you to do. And I had that price in my head. But he came over the next night or that night, And he talked and he thanked us so much for being a blessing to him and his family when they were in need. And then he gave us 10 times as much as what I had in my head. 10 times as much cash. I am receiving blessings from 20 years ago. This is our God. This is our God. And again, I don't tell you that story to say, "Look at me and my husband." I tell you that story to say, "God is good. Yeah. I tell you that story to tell you that when you are given, you may not seem like anyone that God saw it, that God recognized it, but He did, yeah. and he is preparing something for you if you just expect. Amen. Expect, Have expectancy. Let me close with this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so so that through his poverty we might become rich. Let me read that again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for my sake, for our sake, he became poor, so that us through his poverty, might become rich. This is the foundation of our generosity. To be a Christian is to let that thought, to let that verse seek deep into our hearts and in our mind and let it transform transform us into someone who is more generous and willing to share our lives with others. That is our call because Christ gave up everything, gave up everything. I don't think we can fathom what it was like to be Christ in heaven, (laughs) to have every single thing met, to never felt any pain, any suffering, never felt any discomfort, and to give it all up. To live as us for 33 years, to suffer on the cross, to die a violent death, so that we might become rich in him. So that he took us out of the red. We owe this amazing debt. He took us out of the red and brought us into the black where we have everything. He was an overpayment for our sin, and he did that for us. He did it without thinking of himself. He did it for us. That is the generosity of Christ. And because of his generosity. We can be generous. We can be generous. Let me pray for you as Paul prayed. Father. Teach us to excel in everything. In faith. In speech. In knowledge. In complete earnest and love. But Father. Teach us to excel in the grace of giving amen amen Amen. we're just going to have a time um the worship team wants to come back up or
1: we're just going to
0: have a moment oh
1: matt's going to say something too but but before i simply as one of the 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 pastors here i want to give some emphasis to something melissa said that you might not have had the Authorities say, "Don't give more to this church today than than what you had there." Don't let this stir you in that way. But what I want you to do, legitimately, if you're going to have a meal this week, which you probably are, make twice as much.
0: Hmm.
1: Invite a neighbor over. I, I'm I'm being completely serious about this. All right. When we talk about the table being central, this is the stuff, <laughs> right? When when we want the kingdom to prosper, not necessarily the church this is what we're talking like, th- this is so that's what we want. Like, go be the best neighbor your neighbors have ever had. Yeah. Go bring the kingdom as it needs to come in your houses and and yeah. be those people of generosity. There's so many opportunities you have this week that one that th- we, we, you made gumbo for us. Thank you for that. <laughs> do you know why I love gumbo for, them. <laughs> for many reasons? It's a big pot. Yeah, it's a big pot, right? That's how you make gumbo and it's spicy and, and it's spicy. It right. I like that. <laughs> You, you keep going back for more. Do you see where I'm going? The, you can do this. This is very practical. This is, this is very present in your life, and, and you can do that. Do not apply this to that offering during the back. That's not what this not? is about. Yeah. This is so much bigger, so much more powerful, so much more beautiful than if you hear this as, as a tithing sermon. It, it is not that. It is not. Anyway. It's over. not.
0: <laughs> because the offering that he was talking about in Leviticus Ooh. was above and beyond their offering. They had another ritual for offering. He was not telling them to do this as an offering. This was to be done as a lifestyle.